Good afternoon. Actually, it's evening. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. What is going on with you? It is so much happening in this world right now that it's kind of hard to figure out if we're coming or if we're going, but um, a lot has changed um, over for a while. It's been a while, but what has happened over the last week or so has been even more revelatory, if you will, about what's happening in this country. I mean, we all know the deal. We know what's happening. We know what's going on in this country. We know who's sitting back. We know who's talking about it. We know who's not talking about it. We know who's trying to bring forth change. We know who's sitting on their ass and not saying a damn word about anything, you know, and it's put up or shut up time, basically. And, you know, what's so interesting about all of this is that, again, as I've stated before in the past, that we all have a role to play in all of this. So anyway, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Again, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you and to think for yourself. And so what I, today's show was titled, or is titled, the politics of being a good person, right? The politics of being a good person. And I was supposed to do it yesterday. You know, if you look at the notes, it says Wednesday. But I pushed it back a day because of everything that's been happening. Um, with Now we're getting more coverage of the protests. And as I've stated before, the protests never stopped. It's the mainstream media that stopped putting the information out there. But if you're on Twitter... And, and Instagram and, and Periscope, you see a lot of the live videos of what's been taking place in this country for, you know, the last month or so. You know, people have not stopped protesting since George Floyd's murder. And so, you know, again, I'll read the rest of the content that I had written up here. Why are so many people obsessed with being seen as a good person? How does this play into respectability and civility politics? Why is it why is it the so-called good person is usually the one in the middle of the majority of the conflicts, chaos and drama? How does this happen? Do you see yourself as a good person? Why or why not? So, when I put this thing together, you know, I had a lot of things on my mind and I wanted it to play out a different way, but due to what has taken place since Sunday when I did my last show, um, I think I'm going to take it in another direction because, you know, it's just really interesting. When I look on my news feed, on my timeline, and, you know, the feed on Twitter, and I see some of the comments, and especially when I see comments from some specific, very specific white people, and then just white people in general, about how, you know, when they're talking about, you know, these black people that are being assassinated by the police, oh, well, he had fentanyl in his system, or, oh, there was a knife in the car, so, you know, it's justified, and what about black-on-black crime? You know, and all of these things, and and, and defending, you know, the, the white domestic terrorists that went to Kenosha, and and killed two people and injured another person. Oh, well, he was protecting property. His mama drove him from Illinois to Wisconsin. 
that was not his property that he was defending. So someone posted, you know, a picture of him with his mom along with his rap sheet, since they like to do that to us. You know, you have people out here pushing back, and a person who posted it, he made it unavailable to the public. So once I find it again, I'll post it again for you guys. But, um, you know, I meant to do that yesterday, but I got so caught up in what was happening with these athletes. So, and we'll get to that. But the thing is, is that, you know, you have white people trying to justify what that domestic terrorist did, that white domestic terrorist assassin did in Kenosha, because let's call him what he is. He's a thug, right? And and especially when I see this this coming from so-called progressive, some progressive white and some so-called progressive white atheists, you know, um, many of them are libertarian, ah, or libertarian adjacent or leaning, if you will. And, you know, it's about a 1,000 people that I really, 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 really want to kick off my timeline, right? Just, you know, flush them from my friends list. But I keep you around so I can just see the fuckery and, and see what you're thinking. Because to me, I'm one of those people. I want to see what white folks are thinking. I want to see, you know, their leanings. I want to see their justifications. And I also want them to put out there, oh, but I'm a good white person. You know, just like you like to designate yourselves as allies. And so, you know, there are about five articles that I'm going to touch on today, and I have not posted them on Reddit yet. I'm going to post them on my, definitely, you know, after the show, I'm going to post them on my wall, then put them over in a Reddit forum. For those of you that do not know, we have a Black Free Thinkers forum on Reddit. Please take time out to go and look over there. I post a hell of a lot more links on Reddit than I do on my um, pages on Facebook. So if you want to find me on Facebook, you can look at facebook.com slash blackfreethinkers.kim. That's my personal profile. Or you can go to facebook.com slash blackfreethinkers. That's the public page. And it's basically a picture where there's a fire and somebody is walking in the background, and 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 they're holding a sign. So that way you know that's the right page because there are other pages out there that call themselves like free thinkers or whatever. You know, it's like I could have gone after them, but it really wasn't worth the effort. So anyway, you can also look for people of color beyond faith. Again, people of color beyond faith, and I am getting ready to do some things, you know, bring some things up with people of color beyond faith that I've been wanting to do for a while, but life just kind of got the better of me. It's been so much happening in my life, you know, over the last really five years, but the last three have been, um, you know, unbearable, um, some of the things that have been going on personally. But I'm finally to a point where, you know, I feel like I can fully function again, right? And um, so this is where I am. I guess I'm in a better place now, better space. You know, I can read again, listen to my music, all of that, because between, you know, the heart surgeries and, you know, losing my mom and my two once, the first 35 days of 2019, it's been rough. And I know people are like, why are you telling us this again? Because it means something to me. 
you know, I am just happy that I'm that I was able to come out of there and come out of all of that situation, and and you know, putting my life back together because I love my mother dearly, and um, you know, everything, my whole world just kind of fell apart when I lost her, and you know, trying to rebuild that on top of the corona. On top of having heart surgery in March, which is my second one, I had my first one in 2015, after standing in the middle of the emergency room in 2014 and telling them that I was having a heart attack, and they didn't believe me. And this is something that black women have to deal with. So anyway, that's going off subject, but, um, you know, that is a trip. So anyway, you know, white people declaring themselves as good people, as good white people, as allies, and, you know, again, you know, then turning around and gaslighting us and then trying to define what's racist, what's not racist, and defend other white people and say that these people are not racist and, and that, you know, we, um, we're getting it wrong. In black people, we don't understand what's best for us. So we're going to get into this a little bit, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to incorporate it with a lot of what's happening now because what you're seeing, you know, um, I'll give you a recent example here in Kenosha. You have these white militias, you know, running around, and Bree knew some bass. You know, basically, she made this tweet. I, I made a meme of it. It's on my wall. But it says, police will not protect folks from white militias. The state always depends on white militias and vigilantes to reinforce racism. That's why they always give them more leeway to roam the streets armed with guns. The whole point is to reestablish race-property relations, right? Now, you got to remember, for, for a while, they did not want black people to own property. And even now, there are some of them that do not want us to own any property whatsoever so that we will still be a slave to white people in the state. But that's, that's a whole different thing there. But, you know, even some of these white militias and, you know, the members of the militias and the vigilantes, they feel like they're being a good person and that they're being fair to black people, if you will. You know, they, they're just wanting to encourage us strongly with, with, with weapons and threats of imprisonment and, and, and even theft, I mean, even threats of re-enslavement that, you know, that you be a good little Negro and, and you know, maybe these things won't happen to you. But, you know, if it does happen to you, you must have done something to bring it on yourself. And that's the mentality of some of these people. And, you know, what gets me, especially while watching the Republican, you know, National Convention here, is watching, you know, them trot out all of these different black people. Now, I've talked about it in the past with these different movements, these different groups, whether it's the LGBTQ community, whether it's the feminist community, whether it's the atheist community, whether it's mainstream America, and it's in, in this particular case, it's the Republicans, what they do is they trot out, you know, their, their tokens and their black mascots, and basically they're doing this to, again, provide themselves cover from the threat of being called a racist, right? And in many cases, it's not even a threat. We will outright call you a racist. 
and, and, oh, but I have a black friend or I have a black member of our organization here and, and, and all of these things. That does not make you not racist. That does not make you anti-racist because you consider yourselves woke and in some cases you consider yourselves social justice warriors, you know, be, you know, Period. You're racist. All white people are racist. That is my default. This is what, you know, I. this is where I stand, and this is where I've stood for a very long time. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I see some of these white folks all up in their feelings, especially some, some of these prominent ones, like, I don't believe that all white people are racist, and I'm not one of those people. I'm a good white person, and whoever believes that all white people are racist is racist themselves. How about that? Refer reverse racism, right? And what's interesting is, you know, of course they will not call themselves a racist. Many of them will call themselves defenders of Western civilization or racial realists. And you know, and, and you know, uh, you know, uh, a Western civilization philosopher or ideologue, or however you want to, <laughs> you know, dress that up there. But we know you for your works, and we understand who and what you are. And so what you do is you go, you find a few black people that you can trot out, and you give them a few dollars, you know, maybe a speaking gig or two, and, and you trot them out there, again, to use as a shield. And some of them are very much so aware of how they're being used. You know, good example, Candace Owens, you know, how they're trotting her out there. But she didn't get a speaking position or a speaking, you know, spot in the, uh, the Republican National Convention. Funny how that works. Where is Paris Denard and, and all the rest of them? You know, I, didn't, I don't even see that, um, what's his name? That that pastor, that megachurch pastor out of Ohio, Daryl Scott, I knew it would come to me. I I don't even think he spoke. You know, I've been watching it the past few days, and I'm going to watch the rest of the dog and pony show tonight. But it's just really interesting, you know, how all of this is coming back. But, yeah, you know, they, they go find their black people and their brown people and their red and yellow folks and, they trot them out there and deploy them, and, and again, this is to cover their ass. And so we do understand how that works. And, you know, looking at Herschel Walker and a number of the other ones that are out there, you know, the attorney general in Kentucky, you know, this, this is telling us why the, the movement on the Breonna Taylor arrest and on that particular case, why, why it's been going at a snail's pace. Because the black attorney general got a speaking a speaking position or a speaking post in a Republican National Convention. So what is that telling you? But again, you know, he's out there, you know, telling us about the goodness and the virtues of the white people, and especially Donald Trump, who they emphatically defend and, and, and said beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he's not racist, right? And so it's interesting because Matt McDermott tweeted, and I and I posted it from somebody else's page, but Matt McDermott, which is a white man, basically he wrote this. He said, folks, the RNC isn't using black speakers to engage black voters. 
they're using black speakers to engage white people who want to vote for Trump and not feel racist. So again, they want to feel like they're good white people, that they're good people in general, and they agree with a lot of what Trump is saying. You know, they want law and order. They want to get rid of the Affordable Care Act because it's nothing but an entitlement program is welfare, and the only people that are going to benefit from them are those, those, those other folks, you know, you know, them black-brown folks. That's who they like to point to the most, right? And, and, and it's unfair that we have to pay taxes to take care of them. You know, we already have a welfare state, and it needs to go away. I mean, just all of these things. We know exactly what you're saying and what you're thinking. My issue with a lot of it is the ones that come in public that says that they're allies or declare themselves allies and declare themselves as good people, as good white people. You say one thing when you're in public because you know the talking points. You want to be or appear as woke if you will, and especially if you've had the right mascots, black and brown mascots um, out there that sold you your woke card or just blowing smoke up your ass so that you will continue writing checks and, and, and inviting them to your conferences and in and, and your Zooms, if you will. And, you know, the whole thing is just pitiful because you start believing that you actually are woke and that you're a good person And, again, as I stated before, some of these black people are fully aware of how they're being used, but they don't care because they feel as though they're going to benefit from it. So, again, you know, you have black people out here that are capitalizing and commodifying blackness and selling part of that particular movement or that particular part of the culture to enrich and benefit themselves and and, and the people around them. But then you have black folks out here that are, you know, unwittingly being pulled into, you know, this particular type of situation, and they don't realize that they're being used. You know, they've basically allowed themselves to believe that these people are their friends, these people are their allies, these people want what's best for them and for black people, and with some of them, you know, they they live, if you will, that these white supremacist talking points. You know, I had a friend call me today because um, there were some white people that posted a video of black people basically, you know, a video of black people spitting out these white supremacist talking points. What about black-on-black crime? And, and, you know, what about the drugs? And what about, you know, this, that, and the other? And it's just pitiful. It's horrible. You know, and to, you know, again, we've been gaslighted so much that we do it to ourselves. And, you know, it's hard. This is very hard. If you all want to read an article Eli Massal put out there, the title of it is We Need to Talk About the GOP's Black Friends. Again, we need to talk about the GOP's black friends. You can find that on my page, on all three of the pages. And you go out there and you read that because, you know, I've been watching it myself, and I have been absolutely floored by what I've been seeing. But, again, you know, you have people out here that are willing to be pawns, you know, in the general scheme of things. And, you know, and, and also... You know, it's just, 
it's sad, and it really hurts me. And especially because I know that, you know, my mom and my aunts and uncles and and I'm sure, you know, the other generations, you know, that they went out and they marched and they fought and, and demanded their rights and and they thought that it was better or that it was getting better. Well, some of them did. Some of them knew the truth. And they would call it out and then they would be gaslighted. And so it's just interesting about how things are playing out now. So I'm going to go into what's happening with some of these athletes. It's not going to be a long show today, but um, I just wanted to get a few things off my chest because, again, I'm sitting here and I'm watching it. And, you know, watching these professional athletes boycott, you know, playing. Number one, some of them were being forced into playing despite the coronavirus. And it was interesting when you started having, you know, multiple people on these teams, you know, being, you know, infected with corona, so testing positive, and, and you know, not being able to start the season on time, and them finally figuring out a way to try to keep their players as healthy as possible. And then we have this situation, you know, that arose. And for those that aren't aware, you know, of what's been happening and why why you're not aware, I don't know. But what's happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin, is because the police assassinated a young man. Well, actually, let me take that back. They critically injured a young man by the name of Jacob Blake because he survived. He lived. They didn't mean for that to happen, but he lived. But they, 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 they attempted to assassinate him in front of his three boys, his three children. And from my understanding, you know, he's paralyzed from the waist down. And, you know, I'm hoping that with physical therapy that, you know, he will be able to regain, you know, that function, you know, being able to walk again. You know, I don't know. I haven't really been reading a lot into it because it's depressing. And um, dealing with everyday life by itself is depressing enough, you know, especially with the corona, but this doesn't help the situation. There was another shooting in Louisiana, and this young man, this young black man was assassinated and killed by the police, and his name was Trayford Pellerin. And, you know, it's just, it's a never-ending story. It's like that wound never gets a chance to heal. And every time that they can, they rip the scab off over and over and over. And that is why, you know, um, I posted a meme a couple of days ago, and I'm scrolling through my timeline now because I want to read it verbatim because, you know, the woman who made this, who put this out there, she, she was very succinct. And so... Dr. CBS on Twitter, and she says, I keep seeing Dr. King's quote, a riot is the language of the unheard. I don't share that perspective. It seems to me that a riot, I prefer uprising or rebellion, is the language of you heard us, disregarded us, and kept doing the shit. And that has been the case for generation after generation. You know, this was happening to us, 
you know, um, during Jim Crow. This was happening to us, you know, when we were enslaved, when we were emancipated. It, it continues to happen. And if you go and you do your research on past movements, um, I'll say 90% of those movements were started because of the mistreatment of the police or the patty rollers or what have you. And I, I, I would encourage you guys to go and read into the history of the police and, and where it came from, where it derived from, you know, from the slave catchers or the patty rollers, if you will, up until now. And why we're saying defund the police why you have people saying abolish jail, you know, abolish ICE, and all of these things. There are reasons for that. And, again, we, you know, me personally, I don't have time for the people that are trying to, you know, um, justify this, that want to come at me with whataboutisms or look at both sides or what have you or especially some of you dreamers out here that are saying, well, I just want us to live in a utopia. You don't live in a fucking utopia. And especially when I hear black people saying this to me, especially black men, do you know you are one traffic stop away from being assassinated? And you want to come and talk to me about a utopic society when nothing about how you're living is utopic or thrilling, or exciting. You know, and what I will say, personally, I believe that black Americans, African Americans, black people, however you want to, whatever you want to call yourself, I believe that collectively we are depressed, is getting even worse, and what's happening now is you're getting ready to see an explosion. Because, again, as I've been stating for the last few years, we have no friends. And we have been backed into a corner. So when you're backed into a corner, there is nowhere to run. Either you're going to sit there and let them kill you, or you're going to fight back. Now, I'm not sure what your choice of those two happens to be, but I know what my choice of it is. I'll let you run up on me, and I'll give you a big old surprise. All right? And... um it's just really interesting. So, again, the politics of being a good person. Huh. So I posted this article, you know, the other day, and I'm going to repost it today. But this was in the Boston Review, and the title of the article, The Literature of White Liberalism. Again, The Literature of White Liberalism. And this was written by Melissa Prukashart. I will kill your name, Melissa Prukashart. So I'll spell that for you, P-H-R-U-K-S-A-C-H-A-R-T. So she lists a bunch of books that are out here, and many of these books I have, right? Um, You know, I have White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. I have Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race by Rennie Edelage. I have How to Be Less Stupid About Race by Crystal Fleming, How to Be Anti-Racist, Ibram Kendi. So you want to talk about race, you know, Ijoma Aluo. And the only one I don't have is Me and White Supremacy, Combat Racism, Change the World, and Become a Good Ancestor. 
by Leela Saad, right? That's the only one I don't have. But what slayed me about this particular article was the very first sentence. And it is, there is a long tradition of white people thinking they can read their way out of trouble. And so it talks about, you know, white people in, in reading race novels and how, you know, that kind of became a tradition for them, right? And right here, you know, in the article it says, the idea that literature has something to do with anti-racism and being a good person has entered into the self-care of elites who have learned to see themselves as part of a multinational group of enlightened, multicultural, global citizens, right? And so they were talking about, you know, these anti-racist reading lists and how, you know, these books are selling like hotcakes and, and, you know, you have all of this happening. And, and again, this is white liberalism, you know, white progressivism, right, all of that. And, you know, um, and, and how they believe this is how they're playing their part. And as I've stated before, there are a lot of things that you all have to unlearn and you need to deprogram yourselves from. But, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, right here it says, this is the literature of white liberalism. Promised on the other end of this genre is a self-reflective, emotionally regulated white or white-adjacent anti-racist person who can be incorporated into U.S. political modernity, one that will be majority-minority by 2045. In the literature of white liberalism, those who cannot embrace this demographic truth condemn themselves as backwards, redneck racists who don't read books and who are dying of whiteness, which is a book by Jonathan Metzl, which is actually a really, really good book, Dying of Whiteness by Jonathan Metzl. And, and you know, it just talks about these things. <laughs> and right here it's talking about the top 20%, the upper middle class dream hoarders, Right. And I want you to read this because, you know, it talks about Derrick Bell's theory of interest convergence. You want to look that up. Again, Derrick Bell's theory of interest convergence. And I remember posting, and I'll try to post it if it's still on sale, but you were able to get um, one of Derrick Bell's books. It's very, an exhaustive book for like two ninety nine. As a matter of fact, let me stop being lazy, and I will go into my Amazon and tell you the exact name of the book because, of course, I'm not going to put it out there without me making sure that I have gotten it for myself, right? So let's put Derek in here, and let's see what comes up. So, ah, okay, here it is, The Derek Bell Reader, right? And let me look at the details on this. It was $1.99. And this book is very expensive. Again, the Derrick Bell Reader, Critical America. And let's see here. How much is this book now? All right. Well, I'm on my iPhone, so of course it doesn't say because, let's see here. Well, this sucks. So anyway, <laughs> go out and... Uh, you can find that information, but I, I put out there for Derrick Bell Reader, and then it was another Derrick Bell book, Race, Racism, and American Law, right? And how much was this? It was $2.99. And again, this is another expensive book, but if you want to read more about that, you can go and look up Derrick Bell's information. 
and those were the Kindle versions. And for two ninety nine and a dollar ninety nine, that's a bargain and a half. So I mean, for those of you that are doing some introspection, if you will, some self searching, you know, that's one way you can do this. But what's interesting is in this article, I'm going to read some more, you guys. It says this genre held as a multiracial, though white majority class formation, not the one percent but the top 20% and the upper middle class dream hoarders, now that this moment is publicly laying bare the pitiful inroads made by, quote, diversity and inclusion, end quote, according to Crystal Fleming, the institutional complement to thoughts and prayers, which is what basically is. It is. Thoughts and prayers is equivalent to diversity and inclusion, which means, you know, I won't hold my breath if you won't, right? So don't hold your breath about that. But um, yeah, so you, know, I want you to read that article, and um, and this is this is a really great article. And I'll give you a complimentary article to this. And they they post, I mean, and in that particular article, they talk about another a, a number of really good books. Eduardo Bonella Silva, Racism Without Races. That's a really good book, too. I have that as well. Now, what I don't have is this book where it says Misha Pollock and talking about color muteness and what that is, the inability or refusal to talk about race and racism. I'm going to have to get that book because that sounds very interesting. But it says the literature of white liberalism attempts to address the status quo and basically these books present themselves as how-tos and you know, talking, you know, how to uh, to use talking in their titles and for explicitly named whiteness. So uh, check that out. So the article that is complimentary to that, and this is on the Washington Post, but the title of the article is, When Black People Are in Pain, White People Just Join Book Clubs. Again, when black people are in pain, white people just join book clubs. And this was written by Trey Johnson, and it was published July 11th of this year. And it's on Washington Post. So when I post this, I will definitely post the article in the in the little section up there so you can read it because it's behind a paywall. But um, you know, it's interesting because you know, I, I for the life of me. I do not understand how you believe that reading books about being not racist or anti-racist makes the situation better. When, again, you need to be out there, you need to be marching, you need to be, you know, a part of the solution. You know, and as a matter of fact, I believe, and this is just my opinion and many people that are like me, that the onus of all of this is on white people. You created this system. You benefit from this system. It benefits you, your children, and your children's children, and it benefited your forefathers as well. It is up to you to dismantle and deconstruct this white supremacist system, period. The heavy lifting has to be done by you, not by us. And, you know, you're looking at us and demanding that we give you solutions and we give you answers. You created this, and you don't listen to us anyway, which is why people like Robin DiAngelo and Tim Wise and folks like that 
the reason why they're becoming multimillionaires off of their books is because you'll listen to them and you'll buy their books, but you don't want to read our literature and read our books. You know, as a matter of fact, many of you all listen to this show and you hate my guts. Some of you like what I have to say, but you absolutely detest me as a person. So why are you listening to the show to get yourself even angrier? I'll never understand that. But some of you still the talking points. As a matter of fact, most of you do. And that includes some of the black and brown people that listen to this show. Hey, Ryan, I see you. Anyway, um, it's just to me, it's, it's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a really, really good article, and I'll post that a little bit later. I'll give you a couple of more articles here. This other one is behind New York Times as well, and again, I'll post the text of it, but the article is entitled, To White People Who Want to Be One of the Good Ones. Again, To White People Who Want to Be One of the Good Ones by Maeve Higgins. And I think I may have mentioned this before, but anyway, it was published June 19th of this year, and you know, I will definitely post that. Um, the third one, this is Philly Mag, right? And the title of this article, White People, Please Stop Declaring Yourself Allies. Again, White People, Please Stop Declaring Yourself Allies. This was written by Ernest Owens. Again, Ernest Owens. Um, Another article for you guys. This is on Time.com, so Time Magazine, right? And so this article is entitled, Black and Brown People Have Been Protesting for Centuries. It's white people who are responsible for what happens next. Again, black and brown people have been protesting for centuries. It's white people who are responsible for what happens next. This was published June 1st of this year. It was written by Savala Trepsinzinki. Anyway, I'll spell it T-R-E-P-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. Savala, S-A-V-A-L-A, and I will post this, right, and um, it's just really interesting, but, you know, considering that, you know, there are calls for a boycott, a general boycott, and you have people out here that are very influential, like LeBron James, and so I posted a meme on my article when I was watching this earlier on MSNBC while they had some commentary on Jared Kushner wanting to have a talk with LeBron James. And so Benjamin Dixon wrote, Jared Kushner wants to, quote, talk, end quote, to King James or LeBron James to make sure LeBron doesn't get any ideas about calling for a general strike because Kushner, along with everybody else, knows a general strike brings the system to its knees and to the bargaining table. And um, that's a very real threat, and it needs to happen. But it can't just be black and brown people boycotting. It has to be everybody, especially white people. You know, and so, you know, again, you know, (laughs) you, you call yourself a good white person and say, well, I support the black people, and I support Black Lives Matter, and they do. Yes, they do. And um, at the same time, while you're saying that, you're like, well, but I can't support, you know, your methodology. I can't support 
how you're going about doing all of this because it's inconvenient to me. You're, you're messing up my brunch or, you know, I'm not going to get to work on time because, you know, you're, you're blocking the highway, you're blocking the streets. And they've made a law that if we strike you with our car, we don't have to worry about getting sued. We can, we can hit protesters and activists, which has happened quite a bit. They've been running over protesters and activists with their cars. And now in the state of Tennessee, they've passed a law that basically, the state of Tennessee has passed a law that basically if you are a protester and you're charged, that they're going to take away your right to vote. Now, this is unconstitutional. And as soon as it's challenged, it's going to be struck down. But the fact that they're trying to scare people into compliance. And, of course, these are good white people making the laws, right? We're just trying to do what's best. We're just, you know, you people don't know what's good for you. We've heard it all. And it's infuriating. And we're tired. And what's so interesting was with the Cheddar Tater Tot and Jeff Sessions, what they were trying to do was um, basically identify activists, organizers, protesters, as especially the black ones, as black identity extremists. And they were going to, you know, punish them. And even and especially if they committed economic terrorism, that is what they called it, economic terrorism by, you know, not spending any money with certain businesses or calling for a general strike and boycott. So they're trying to force you to spend your money with them because they, you know, black businesses, you know, number one, many of us have started businesses, and it's difficult. It's hard. And with what happened with the economy and the coronavirus, a lot of black businesses failed and went out of business. Now, you have some young people, some young innovative people out here that are starting businesses, and and some of them are doing quite well. But, you know, the point I'm trying to make is a lot of the issues when I was talking on a show about, you know, people talking about black-on-black crime, which doesn't exist, but black-on-black violence, there are there's a, a lot of different definitions for violence, or a lot of different examples. You know, we've talked about, you know, poverty. We've talked about, you know, the um, um, health disparities, you know, um, just a number of issues, not being able to afford daycare, not being able to afford to get a job because you don't have the clothing to, to, to wear to the interview, let alone to start the job with. Again, you know, food deserts in our communities, not having any clinics, let alone a trauma center. And, and unfortunately, with a lot of these hospitals and doctors, they don't listen to us. They discriminate against us. They experiment on us. And, you know, and, and that still happens. Because I'm not going to go into details, but there was one very specific hospital on the south side of Chicago in which they were experimenting on some young black children with their eyesight and performing unnecessary operations and, and laser treatments on their eyes, trying to figure out which procedure works best. 
And the parents did not realize that their children were being experimented on. And there was a big old fallout about that as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave that right there. But, again, you know, how can you call yourself a good person and you're allowing these things to happen? How can you call yourself a good person when you're basically using other people of color, black people and other people of color, non-black people of color, as, as tokens and shields? And, and buying a piece of black culture or, or wokeness, if you will, by, you know, again, offering up money, you know, perceived power and all of that so that they can get out there and, and, and defend you and tell people that you're not racist, tell people you're not sexist, tell people you're not misogynistic, you're not homophobic. You're not any of these things because you've paid enough people in these different communities to fit to defend you. It's unconscionable. But what's even more unconscionable are, you know, the black people and the non-black people of color that are very, very aware of how they're being used, and they don't care as long as they get paid. Hey, Candace. Right? Hey, Paris. Hey, Dominique. Hmm. So, you know, I just find it really interesting. But, again, you know, I guess you are a good person. You paid for it, right? You paid to control the narrative. You paid the mainstream media to paint you in that light. You paid these different magazines to write these articles up because you gave $100 to, to a black soup kitchen So that warrants you being a good white person, right? And so there are a lot of politics behind this, and there's so many different directions that I can come in, you know, come at this from. But um, I'm just tired. And, you know, that's what this boils down to, but we have to be relentless. You know, we have to keep moving forward. We have to be resilient. And because if we don't, and, you know, they've been wearing us down. If we don't, you see the type of trouble that we can get in, the type of trouble that we're in now. You know, all of these years, these decades, we've been told to suck it up and our turn is coming, but it takes time. I mean, even Obama told us, you know, that, that it takes time and, and, and to be patient. That never works. And they keep pushing it off, pushing it off, blowing us off until it explodes. And um, a lot of us that are just tired, but we're still out here, and um, we're still moving forward. But yeah, you know, again, you know, what gets me again with with certain black people is playing into that respectability politics, and with certain white people, you know, with this the politics of being civil. 
the politics of being polite. Well, I can't possibly be racist. I smiled at them, and I was so nice. I said it with my inside voice. But what you said was racist. Well, no, it wasn't. You know, I don't dislike you. I don't dislike black people because they're black. I dislike a lot of their behavior. What about black on black crime? Again, trying to deflect and throw you off. So, again, I'm going to post those articles. I'm going to put them up there. And, you know, we definitely will be doing a show Sunday, you know, talking about, you know, what's going on this week and, you know, I'll have some topic of some sort. But, you know, seriously, you know, black people, those of you that are within these other subgroups, if you will, you know, um, and especially if you affiliate with some of the mainstream organizations, you really need to take a look at yourself some introspection, and ask yourself, why are you there? What are you getting out of the situation? Are you turning a blind eye? Are you just absolutely tone deaf? What are you allowing them to get away with? Why are you allowing them to get away with it? And then why are you out here, you know, attempting to, to, basically silence other black people who are calling these folks out for who and what they are. Why do you believe that's your job? Why do you believe that you need to police the black people and the non-black people of color, you know, to, to not attack and, 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 and expose these people for who and what they are? And then why do you believe that we should not expose you for who and what you are? These are very real questions that you need to be asking yourself. And I see we have a caller. Let me go ahead and pull them into this. Hello, caller. I see you. You have a question? Hello, Miss Kimberly. Hey, how are you, Lori? I am well, honey. Um, I unfortunately came in about 15 minutes after you started, so I don't know what you talked about in the first 15 minutes. Um, but I wanted to uh, just drop a few seeds and see how you make them grow <laughs> in, in the last few minutes of your show. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, let us start with, and I, I apologize because I don't know the brother's name, but it happened today on, I'm thinking, or I don't know if it was today, I saw it today, Um uh, on a posting about the the brother, I want to say his name is Ken or something like that. That was an NBA player that was on the ESPN, um, where he they were talking about the players that were boycotting the NBA playoffs. There's like six or seven mm-hmm. entire teams, right? Right. Um, and, and the brother was on the show, and the video that I saw, I believe probably cut into the middle of the conversation, but um, he basically said that he just, you know, he, he couldn't get with what was going on, he couldn't do it anymore, and that basically he was standing in solidarity with his brothers, also because he was a former basketball player. So he completely disconnected himself from his mic, and he left the, the Oh, stage. yes. 
Yes, I, I saw um, that. Right. And the only person that I thought was interesting, the only person that commented was the white commentator, and he just said, well, you know what, I respect that. And the other two people who were at the table oh, were no, Shaq, they are. Shaq and Charles Barkley, who sat there with the doo-doo look on their face. Um, and well, for some reason, I girl. fully expected at least Shaq to get up, but they just kind of sat there. So mm-hmm. that's no Shaq wants to be the police. Oh, if you go and okay, look at Shaq's history, he he was an honorary police officer and all of that. But I will give Shaq, you know, credit. He went on back to school and got his doctorate degree and you know his education and all of that, but. Shaq has a very spotted history. You need to go and do some reading on Shaq. Okay. Okay. Well, we all know that Charles Barkley is trash, so I didn't right. expect him to get up. Um, you see, I didn't even I, mention his name. That's a given. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I just, I really, I didn't know if you had seen that or if, aware, if you were aware of it. And if you were, I just wanted to know briefly what your thoughts on that with that brother's actions in that situation, because I was, I had mad respect for him for doing that, and I was actually proud of him for getting up and doing that. But I want to know your thoughts on that particular. Oh, yeah, him and Doc Rivers, Rivers, you know, um, gave a very poignant um, talk about that yesterday, about what was happening. As, as yes. far as what's happening to black people across this country and why they must take a stand. And, you know, I commend them, you know, for, for, you know, boycotting their games. I commend him for walking off the set and, and stating exactly why. I, I don't remember if it was yesterday or today marks four years since the very first time Colin Kaepernick took a knee. So it was either yesterday or today, which marked the four-year anniversary of when he took his first knee. And, and, and I just find it interesting that now you have these major league, you know, sports arenas, if you will, the NFL, NBA, you know, um, in others that are WNBA and others that are now boycotting and taking, you know, this stance in some cases as a team, in some cases the majority of the team, which forces the rest of the team because, you know, there's only two white girls and one black girl on one team. You know, I don't know how they're going to play the other one white person on the other team. That ain't no basketball game. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I definitely commend them. And But, see, they're afraid of LeBron James. For Jarrett wanting to personally have a conversation with Jarrett, I mean, mm-hmm. with um, LeBron. And I really, because he flew out to see Kanye. So I'm pretty sure he's willing to go and fly to see LeBron because, you know, when they when they want to threaten you, you know, they ain't going to do that over the phone. They want to look at you eye to eye so they can tell you in so many words what's going to happen if you were to mm-hmm. do it. how you'll be labeled mm-hmm. as a troublemaker, how you'll be labeled as, you know, um, um, you know, an agent of chaos, if you will, you know, or, you know, or how they can ruin your life, you know, pointel pro. Or, you know, if you've done something in your life and they, you know, of course, they probably already have a dossier on you 
well, you've done this, that, and the other, you know, it would be a shame if this was, you know, exposed to the public and, you know, things like that. And so it's just it's really interesting, you know. And the thing is, is that, you know, there are a number of people that do things like that, but when you have someone like me, if you threaten to put my shit out I don't care. Put it out there. But I ain't going to be mad by myself. We'll talk about your ass and your shit, too. So we can be mad together. How about that? And, um, but that's just me, Lord. Y'all got to pray for me. But, <laughs> you know, that's that's how that goes. But I do commend them, you know, and what they're doing and the stand that they're taking. Because, again, you know, um, there have been other protests over the years. And I forget where it was. I forget what country. But, you know, basically some of their professional athletic teams were denied entry to the Olympics because of, you know, everything that was going on, you know, um, within that country. So, you know, sometimes when, you know, you have these athletes out here, and if they bring these major leagues to their knees, yeah, because, I mean, that's why they want them to play basketball and football and all of these things again, so to distract the general public, so the general public won't pay attention to what's really happening out here. Right. But right. this pandemic has forced all of us to face, you know, what's going on. You know, you can't get away from it. Every damn news channel is talking about this. You know, exactly. so this needs to happen. Exactly. And if LeBron James and some of these other people, if they were to get together, and call for a general strike, that will bring this country to its knees. Period. Hit him in the pocket. Exactly. That's the only that's the only language most white people understand. The language of mm-hmm. money. Period. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Okay. Um two more points, but it, it could it could be integrated into one. Um sure. Let's start, I think I spoke with you earlier about this. Let's start um, with the young black man, and I meant to look his name up before I came on, but the young black man that got online and did this long, ridiculous diatribe about how BLM hates black people. They're not for black people. He basically called them communists, fascists, and Marxists. He called them Antifa. And he probably can't define any of those words, but go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, he said a lot of things that it was obvious that he didn't know what he was talking about because he was spouting statistics that even without me looking them up, I knew they were ridiculous. Right. Um, um, something like uh, 80, 85, let's see, as, as far as humans killing humans, okay, he talked on talked about black-on-black uh, black crime and black-on-white crime and white-on-white crime and white-on-black crime. And he spouted mm-hmm. this one statistic that said that 85% of the killings documented in this country are black-on-white. That's not true. I know it's not true. <laughs> but he said it with <laughs> such truth and conviction. You know, and and he apparently has a very a vast audience because as I uh, 
peruse the comments on his video, pretty much everyone was in agreement. There were only a couple people who were like, bro, you crazy. Where are oh, you yeah, he's going to have his face, man. Right. Oh, big time. Big time. Um, but the reason I'm bringing this particular video up is that I'm seeing white people repost this video like crazy. Like, see, see, see. You see what we're talking about? We're not crazy. Black Lives Matter is, is, is a joke. They're fascists. They're Marxists. They're communists. And they're against black people. Black, BLM is worse for black people than anything else. <sighs> yeah, I, Again. I heard that sigh. Like, that's a where do I begin sigh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, you know, and and... A lot of people have scapegoated BLM now while there are some issues, but any organization and any movement, you know, are going to have their issues. You know, that's a given. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, they've done, and see, and there's a difference between the Black Lives Matter movement. What's what's going on in the background here? Oh, I'm outside, honey. I'm sorry. That's my air conditioner. Let me move. Okay. Okay. No, you know, but there is a difference between the the Black Lives Matter movement and the Black Lives Matter network, right? Okay. Those are two very separate things. Now, the Black Lives Matter network are basically, it's a network of groups across the country that are working to for the betterment. Of, of of black communities and black lives. You know, it falls okay. under the umbrella of movement for black lives, right? And I'm not really mm-hmm. going to get into much of that, but the Black Lives Matter movement in and of itself is what you see taking part in the streets. Now, just because it's a black social movement, that does not mean that they're part of the Black Lives Matter um, movement, you know, because anything where you see black people out there, they automatically attribute it to Black Lives Matter, and, right. and that's not all the case, right? And um, and just because you see these different actions happening out there under the guise of Black Lives Matter movement, that does not mean that it's condoned or authorized by the Black Lives Matter network. So, you know, I need people to understand these are two very separate and different entities. The Black Lives Matter movement is basically, you know, um, you know, is some of some of the actions out there that are not part of Black Lives Matter movement, of course, is attributed to that. And, you know, it's just I don't know. It's just really hard to explain that, because if they see a black person, they automatically say it's BLM. But right. that's done on purpose, you know, to, to again, try to cast them in a bad light. But also, a lot of that is done to whitewash that particular movement as well, because even when you see a bunch of white people, oh, they're Black Lives Matter protesters. And, you know, it could have been the three percenters. It could have been some other type of outriders. But because they're out in the streets, what they're doing is they're trying to conflate it because you got to remember if you go back to when James Session was, um, you know, um, the Attorney General, right? Mhm. Mhm. 
how basically they they took money away from, you know, our intelligence services to go out and investigate these white supremacist groups, these white nationalist groups, and what they've been doing is trying to put them all together and conflate the, the white nationalists, the white supremacist groups with the black ones. They're trying to put them all together because they took the additional fundings to study and to monitor, you know, the, the white supremacist movement. They, they took that away and threw it into a general fund and then instructed the intelligence services to focus more on the black and brown movement. You know, and this is why you'll hear... Donald Trump and some of the other ones saying the whataboutisms and the both sides bullshit, but especially mm-hmm. how they're trying to indict the anti-fascist people, how they're trying to indict the anti-racist people, how they're trying to indict the Black Lives Matter movement and say that they're just as bad as the white supremacist movement. And, and it's not the same. It's not right. the same. And so they're doing that because they're trying to basically – you know, again, make America racist again. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just, it's, it's horrible. Go ahead. Okay. So the last point is our old friend Ben Shapiro. Oh Lord. <laughs> and the video that I saw of his today that um, a white woman that's in a Facebook group that I'm a, a member of is mm-hmm. she, 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 I call her counterpoint Karen. Um, okay. Because every time someone posts something relevant and real, she always comes back with a counterpoint. So she's like a real big fan of Candace Owens um, and people of that nature. Um, and right. apparently she has now become a fan of Ben Shapiro. So she posted the video, a recent video that he made about Jacob Blake, um, basically saying that, uh, you know, to, to sum it up, he was basically saying that the man deserves to die, even though he didn't die. He deserved those seven shots in his back. Um, and like like we're seeing in the media now, he ran down his entire rap sheet, um, mm-hmm. and he and he played the alleged nine one one call that was made about him, and it was a white woman stating that he had uh, taken her car keys and refused to give them back, and that's why she, that's why she was. Summoning the police, weaponizing the police against this brother. Um, now, you know, I know there's two sides to every story. I'm sorry, and in, in, in this particular situation, I'm on his side. I truly believe that he was trying to break up this fight between those two women, um, and that he was actually relieved when the police showed up and. You know, I guess he figured his his business was done and, and the whole business. I have not watched the video, and I will not watch the video because I'm tired of seeing black people get killed with impunity by right. the police. So I have not watched the video. So I can't speak on a lot of the things that I'm seeing that people are saying, like he walked away or, 
you know, mm-hmm. the part about how, how he got tased and it didn't phase him. You know, I know tasers don't work on everybody. I'll buy that. <laughs> okay, I'll buy that. Right. But um, his uh, Ben Shapiro's talking points were that um, Jacob Blake actually said he had a gun and he was going to his car to get it which we all know that there was no weapon found in the car. The only right. thing they found was a knife, right? Right. And it wasn't even said what kind of knife. They just said that he had it a knife. It could have been a butter knife. Exactly. It could have been a butter knife. Um, it could have been a nail file. I mean, you know, right. who knows? Right. But there's no way in hell you ever going to get me to believe that this man was bucking up to God knows how many police officers, especially with his three young children in the back of his car, that Mm -hmm. he was really going to put his life and their lives in danger because we all know that they have no problem opening fire just in your direction. They don't even necessarily have to be aiming at you. (laughs) Okay? They will just open fire right in, in, in your direction. So why would he put his young sons in danger around all these cops with their weapons pointed at him to possibly have some of those bullets go through the car and hit his children. But right. Shapiro's point is that he said he had a gun and he was going to go get it. And wow, you know, other, yeah, he said he he. This is what Ben Shapiro is saying that Jacob Blake said. I don't believe any of it, but do I. once again. Once again, like the young brother who was talking about BLM, Ben Shapiro was talking with much authority, you know, like he just, everything that he was saying was absolutely true. You know, you can ask Jesus, because it was true. (laughs) Right. Um, And these are, I'm seeing, I'm starting to see white people post bullshit videos like this, like they're trying to prove their point. Like they're saying, like, look, look, we have proof. Well, here's the 911 call. Well, you know what? Central Park Sally or whatever they call her, she made a 911 call, and she basically sat there and told the man on video that she was about to lie to the cops. Every other video yeah. that we see with, Car- with Karen's calling cops on right. things that are going on that they're upset about. They sit there and get the shaky voice, and they start screaming, and, oh, my God, he's hurting me, and he has a gun. And, and the person is like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was just walking. What? what? So, you know, that's what I'm thinking, That because I heard the 911 call, and, yes, the woman did, in fact, say that, but why would I believe her? Why would anybody believe her when we see what y'all do? We see what y'all do. You will lie. You will say whatever you need to say to get the cops out there and handle this this uh, unruly Negro for you. Right, because she's so, a good white woman, right? She's a good person. Oh, exactly. She's a good person, and he's this felonious monster who uh, mm-hmm. abuses women and rapes children. Because I've seen the word pedophile thrown around with Jacob uh, Blake as well. Exactly. Yeah. Ain't so, that your thoughts? 
on Ben Shapiro and his bullshit. Ben Shapiro is not worthy of my <laughs> of, of my time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, how about how about people like Ben Shapiro who are spouting the same kind of bullshit? Like it's All right. you know. Oh, it's biblical. plenty of them. You know, you have Dinesh D'Souza, and you know there are many of them out there. As a matter of fact. And Coulter said that Rittenhouse, that's the white domestic terrorist assassin that, you know, killed mm-hmm. two people and hurt someone else in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And Coulter says he should be president. You know, Ooh, I missed and, that. And, yeah, she said that. You know, and you have a number of other ones. You have Brian Urlacher, who was once a player on the Chicago Bears, saying he supports Rittenhouse. And and he supports Trump, and he has a child with a black woman. You know, so what that say? You know. You know, these days, honestly, that doesn't say much to me at all. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, because you're gonna sit right up here and have this woman at the RNC saying that the cops will well be well be well within their rights to racially profile her adopted black child. And this yeah. is a child that she adopted. Yeah. A child well, that she take that child own. from her. Yes. I honestly, I believe, um, I believe that there's a petition out there and that people are reporting her and questioning why she is being allowed to keep that child. So, you know, it should be mm-hmm. interesting watching how all of this play out, you know, but, um, she shouldn't have that black child. She shouldn't be around black people. If that's what you truly believe, then, you know, it's really interesting. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is um, a lot of white people do not live in, in neighborhoods that have black people in it. They don't have to deal with them. They they purposefully, you know, move to neighborhoods where black people cannot live or, or they have some type of covenant. <laughs> That that basically keeps mm. the black people out, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't have any black friends or anything of that nature because they don't have to, you know. And 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 that's why they have no problems watching black people being shot in the street like animals, and and treating us like we're animals. They do not see our humanity, and they refuse to recognize right. it. And as long as they continue seeing us that way, we continue having these problems. But there are ways that we can bring them to the table and bring them to their knees. You know, my thing, stop stop working, stop spending money, all of that. It worked with the bus boycott, brought them to mm-hmm. their knees. And it can happen now especially with some of these, you know, truck drivers and these freight drivers, you know. Uh, and when I say that, not only the ones that are driving on the road, but also on the water as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and the pilot and all that, just stop working. Boycott. You know, these people that are on the news. Boycott. Make the producers sit there and look awkward trying to deliver the news. Right. You know, stop writing. 
Let the owners of the station go on there and try to figure out what to say. Let the board stop bringing up groceries. Stop dragging in carts. Stop, stop. You know, you know, even 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 down to that level. Stop cleaning up these white people's houses and businesses. Stop fixing their cars. Stop pumping their gas, or you know, whatever. All all of the essential worker jobs are. Stop taking care right. of their asses in hospitals and nursing homes and home health right. aides. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 a trip. But, you know, I have some thoughts on that, but I can't really get into it. <laughs> because, number one, they ain't ready for it. But, number two, it can create some other problems for me. But, um, yeah, I have a whole bunch of thoughts on what can what can be said and what can be done. But um, it's just it's really interesting. But, you know, what gets me is Ben Shapiro. And, you know, again, white adjacent people and white folks that really think that they're good people and out here using this type of rhetoric and inflammatory, you know, language and, 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 and mistreating folks and all of that. But they think they're good, they're good white people. They're good people. They're good white people and they're allies. But, again, again, they are the ones that are out here. And, again, white is the default. So they feel as though they have the right to define what, you know, what is racist, what is not racist, you know, what is, you know, an ally, what is a, you know, a good white person or a good person or what have you. And it's just interesting because, again, black people, you know, the black community, we've been trained how to react in certain situations. So they already know how we're going to respond because they've trained us to respond in that way. However, you know, this white fragility in all of this is going to kill us, and that's what's happening now. Because, again, um, it, everything is centered around white people and their feelings and, and their thoughts and, and, and them and their shit, their property, mm-hmm. their business. There, you know, all of that stuff, and and we're just gonna have to make some hard ass decisions, and that's just how the way that's just how that's going to work out. But um, you know, we have to stop allowing them to gaslight us and to dictate to us what we should and should not be doing, and we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to be, you know, consistent. We can't just boycott for one or two days. And I understand people have rent to pay, people have bills to pay, you got to feed yourself and your children, your cousins, you know, your neighbors. I get all of that. I get all of that. But um, mm -mm, something is going to have to give. And, you know, and I'm going to be honest, you know, because I think I talked to you about this in the past, but I don't necessarily think if if Biden and Harris wins, I don't think it's going to get any better. As a matter of fact, I believe that Biden and Harris is going to be even, they're going to clamp down even more on the protesters and activists. You know, because, you know, they can't have their white liberal, you know, base and their white moderate base afraid. 
So, you know, they have to be law and order as well. And if they happen to win, it's going to be very interesting watching their reaction and how they deal with the situation. Um, Kamala Harris gave a talk today in which she talks about, um, you know, what's happening with, you know, Jacob, Blake, and that situation in Kenosha. And she laid out mm-hmm. the case, but she's not mm-hmm. a very good actress, I'll put it that way. You know, she, she's not the, the best actress that I've seen. But uh, right. <laughs> we we shall see how it all works out. We shall well, see. I'll, I mean, this. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I'll make this little comment, and then um, I'm done um, in regards to Biden and Harris uh, potentially winning the election. Um, mm-hmm. And how, uh, kind of piggybacking on your comment on how things are probably going to get worse. They're definitely going to stay the same, but maybe get worse. Um, right. One one thing that I thought about where it could possibly get worse is that uh, um, all those fools that lost their mind when Barack Obama won the White House, when he won the mm-hmm. presidency, um, I, I think we're going to see a repeat of that because white folks look at Biden and still see Obama. And but right. then to make matters to make matters worse, now he's got this pickaninny with him, this half black, <laughs> half Asian pickaninny. So oh my God, there's another Negro in the White House. Yeah, but see, this is and the I, thing. I mean, and I get what you're saying about Joe Biden being associated with Obama when they see him. That's true. But the reason why that can be halfway acceptable to them is because he's still a white man, which is why he's right. not, you know, that's which is why he's doing better in, 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 in the media and why Donald Trump is having a hard time attacking him because he's a white man. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, ain't it something? But they still don't want to see no color in that White House. No, or anywhere near the White House. They don't want little black children and, and, and black men and women to have dreams and daring to aspire to white mediocrity. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> right, 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 right. The nerve of you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so um, you know, the whole thing is, you know, just just a hot damn mess. And, you know, I'm gonna wind this down because, you know, I gotta watch this dog and pony show. I watched the DNC, you know, convention, now I gotta watch the R N C you know, convention. Oh yes, that is on I I I didn't watch it last night, but I'm gonna watch it tonight. Oh yeah. Well, thank you. Know, you. Thank you. That the black people that they found, you're quite welcome, dear. Yeah, you're quite welcome. You, so very much. you know. Yeah, you know. So it's just really interesting, and you know, when I look at the people, some of these black people that are Trump supporters, you know, some of them are really interesting. But again, I believe that Donald Trump is going to get a record you know, um, number of black votes. I believe he's going to get about 15% across the board. He received 13% of black men votes, you know, when he ran in 2016. 
But, um, you know, I'm just looking at some of the people that are out there, some of these black nationalists that have aligned themselves with Trump. And, you know, I just see a lot of trouble coming from that particular group of people. And especially as they are, you know, given platforms and they're rising in prominence in certain areas, you know, it's going to be hell. And I'm going to sit back and watch it and I'm going to laugh. Because I'm going to be like, we told you, we started warning you in 2011 and 2012 that this was happening, but, you know, you turned around, you gaslighted us, and, and, and then acted like you discovered something a few years later. But anyway, it's going to be interesting because, again, when that shit hits the wall, it's going to hit the wall hard. And I'm going to sit over here, and mm-hmm. that would be the day I go and give me a banana split loser from the Dairy Queen and sit here and suck down that damn blizzard and laugh my ass off watching TV and reading the damn articles, you know, about all the fuckery because, you know, what do I know? Little black girl from the south side of Chicago, you know? Right. So that's how that goes. So anyway, child, let's wind this down. Again, thank you, Lori, for calling in. I appreciate it. You had great questions. I appreciate that. Keep it coming, and we appreciate you, and I appreciate my listeners, you know, and I'm going to have to start putting my stuff out on Twitter more, and then I need to post this over in the Reddit form and put that out there so we can build this back up, and, you know, there are some things to come. And, oh, also, I opened up the People of Color Beyond Faith um, Facebook group, so we're going to be taking people in there. We're accepting people into that group. I also have another one, African-American Atheist. You know, you can join that if you will, but in the people of color beyond faith, I'm going to make sure that we start having some, you know, really deep conversations and talking about the the, the, the issues and the news stories and, and what we're facing. So if you want to join the group, let us know. We'll let you in. We'll have those conversations. Um, but in the people of color beyond faith group, I'm letting you know now, don't come over there with the crazy memes. We're not going to be doing a bunch of fuckery, a bunch of bullshit. I'm not going to stand for it. I can't stand it. You know, I'm letting something slide in the AA, African-American atheist group. And, you know, of course, I'll put a little response to it, but I I let something slide. I'm going to let some other stuff slide. But for the most part, you know, guys, you know, I don't have time to play. And I'm not going to sit there and um, entertain a bunch of nonsense. So, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I don't engage people as much as they would like me to engage, because I had started at one point, but some people took it a bit too far, and so I had to pull back. But I'm not about that bullshit, and you need to understand that, and you need to know that. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know the deal. You know what's up with me. So, anyway, with that being said, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. You know, and again, yes, we are free thinkers, but we are not the Candace Owens or Kanye or Paris Denard or Derek Bell. I'm sorry. I apologize. Not Derek Bell. Derek, what's his name, from the megachurch in Ohio. You know, we're not those kind of free thinkers there. You know, we're not the MAGA hat wearing free thinkers. That is not who we are. And I just want to make sure that that's abundantly clear. But we are here to challenge you to think for yourself. I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm not here to tell you how to think. I'm just asking you to think, period. 
So anyway, thank you, Lori. Thank you, honey, for being on the show, coming on with me today. My pleasure, I appreciate my pleasure. Yes, indeed. Pleasure. So you all enjoy the rest of your Thursdays. I was supposed to do the show yesterday, but I was just, like I said, floored by watching these athletes taking a stand, and I wanted to make sure I paid attention to that. And then I was just a little under the weather yesterday, wasn't feeling it, so we did it today. But I will be back Sunday at 1 o'clock Central Daylight Time, so 1 o'clock Central Time Sunday, and I'll be trying to put that together tomorrow sometime. So anyway, I appreciate each and every last one of you guys, and enjoy the rest of your day, and, and I will be posting those links later. Thank you all. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.